Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Redemption HD podcast. We hope that this episode blesses you, that it encourages you. If you want to know more about Redemption High Desert, you could visit our website at redemptionhighdesert.com. Also, follow us on all social media platforms at Redemption760. Here we go, live from Redemption HD. So this morning, we're going to get into a little bit of who Jesus is, why he came to the earth, and uh, we're going to talk about freedom. So uh, we're in Luke chapter 4, and let's go ahead, let's start reading in verse number 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that that as a country, uh, we celebrate our freedom, but in you, we live in freedom every day. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing, and may your name be lifted up in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. So Luke chapter 4 is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the earthly ministry of Jesus. Jesus at this point is about 30 years old. And he's baptized by John the Baptist. He then goes up into the wilderness where he spends 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil. He comes down from the desert, down from the mountain in power, and he begins his ministry. And this is the introduction. This is Jesus telling everyone, this is who I am and what I've come to do. And so I want us to read this and just kind of get a picture you know, Jesus, Jesus began to disrupt the system from day one. You know, uh, it's funny because every time I, I, try, I question, I'm like, Lord, maybe I, should, maybe I should do things like this. And he says, you know what, I broke the box not so that you can build it back up. You know, go and be you and, be, and lo- allow me to be me in you and through you and watch what's going to happen. And so Jesus disrupted the, the system and so pray for your pastor, because Pastor Stevon will, I have, I will, and I will continue to disrupt the system. Amen. The system of religion, the systems of this world, we're going to break all that stuff, and we're going to present the real Jesus to a dying world that needs to hear this Savior, to need, that needs to encounter him. I'm not presenting redemption. I'm not presenting, you know, a, a denomination. I'm not presenting anything but Jesus, and we're going to see the world turned upside down for Jesus because God is raising up radical people right here on Jacaranda. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Again, Jesus is coming in. He's entering into the temple to begin his ministry. Verse 16 says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now that means, you know, Isaiah in your Bible here. That portion of of the Bible, the book of Isaiah, is what was handed to him. The scroll of Isaiah, that's how they would read these things in the temple. similar to what we do here in church. They open up the word, they get into the word. And so they hand Jesus this, uh, the book of Isaiah. And it says, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus now reading this out. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
This is why he came, Landon. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. Come on to us. To preach the gospel to the poor. This is why Jesus came. He didn't come so he can gain Instagram followers. He didn't come so he could have a ministry on TV and make lots of money. He didn't come to build some fancy mansion. He didn't come so that everyone would like him. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel is the good news. If you're not preaching good news, then you're not preaching what Jesus preached. If you're not listening to good news, you're not listening to the things that Jesus preached. He didn't come to preach bad news. He came to preach good news. I like this definition that I found about the gospel. It is joyful information. The gospel is joyful information. The gospel is joyful information. Hey, when your stimulus hit, that was joyful information, right? Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> joyful information. The joyful information is what Jesus came to preach. He came to preach, to declare, to proclaim, to deliver joyful information. And he came to deliver that message to the poor. Now, poor isn't just financial or, or not having a place to stay. Or, or poor is being in any place where you're lacking something. You know, when you look at uh, Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus taught the Beatitudes, the first thing that he says is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You know, when you're in a place of brokenness, when you're in a place of going through hardships, you are poor in spirit. You're going through a hardship that is causing you to be broken. You are poor in that moment, right? When you are struggling with obtaining the peace and the righteousness and joy, you're poor in that moment because you're lacking the thing that God has given you. Anybody at any time that is missing something, that is lacking something, where the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, you can consider yourself poor in that moment. And if you are poor in that moment, there is joyful information that Jesus wants to give you. And this is why it is important for us to remain poor in spirit. I don't mean walking with our head down, but I mean staying in that place of humility that we understand that we are nothing without him and we can do nothing apart from him. When you stay in that place, you stay poor in spirit. You never rise, you never live, you never walk in pride. Therefore, you are always a candidate for joyful information. Humility will always position you for the gospel. Let me say that again. Humility will always position you for the gospel. The gospel, the gift of salvation, is a free gift that God gives, but it's a gift that you must what? Receive. And how do you receive apart from humility? You can't, because pride will tell you you don't need salvation. Remain, remain humble in your life and always recognize that you need God. I need God every day, every second of every day. I need the Lord. Well, you're a pastor. You have a relationship with him. You walk with him, don't you? Yeah, I do, but I still need him. I wake up in desperation. 
I go to bed in desperation. I show up on Sundays in desperation. Not defeat, humility. I, I come to God and say, God, you are my source. You are the living water that I drink from. The very bread that I eat, God, you, you alone satisfy. It's only you. It is only you, my firm foundation. You, 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 Lord, you, you. I stay in that place. We must stay in that place. We have to stay in that place of humility. And when you do, then you can walk around in this place where the gospel, the gospel, the joyful information is being declared over your life by King Jesus himself. Pride will close the doors to that gospel. Never feel like you've arrived or you got it all together. Because pride comes before fall. And don't fall, right? Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal God the Father, Jesus is saying, God the Father has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? Guess what? There is a healer that came for you. You're not alone in your brokenness. You're not alone in this place where you need healing. You're not doing it by yourself. He came to do it for you. He came to be the one to stitch and to sew the brokenness of your heart. He came to take that heart that has been shattered by life and circumstance and people and, and, and all of this stuff that you've gone through. He came to take your heart gently and piece it back together. Psalms 34, 18, it says that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near. He's close. He's close to you when you're broken. This is who Jesus is. This is the mission statement of Jesus. Is that, hey, I came to give the gospel to the poor, to release joyful information to those that are in need. And I also came to heal the brokenness of people. Sometimes we don't want to confess our brokenness. Sometimes we don't want prayer. We don't want to tell people what we're going through. We don't want to come up to the altar. We don't want to do these things because we're embarrassed. And I get it. I understand. I've been there. But like I said, pride will close the doors to the good news. And if Jesus wants to heal and heal your heart and heal your brokenness, if he wants to release joyful information over that situation to cause you to be whole, don't let pride be the barrier that stops the breakthrough. In humility, understand and say, you know what, God, this is why I need you. I'm broken. Heal me. And he's faithful to do that. Amen. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim, to preach, to publish, to declare liberty, deliverance, freedom. Jesus has been declaring our independence way before 1776. He, is make, he has been making a declaration. God the Father has been making a declaration of our independence since Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus came to put a stamp on that declaration and then gave us His Holy Spirit so that that independence could be experienced in our life. 
We are free in Christ Jesus. This is what he came to do. Amen? To proclaim liberty to the captives. A captive is a person who has been taken prisoner. The moment you get saved, Jesus sets you free. He breaks off all of the chains. He breaks off all of the bondage. The Bible says that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. This is who we are. But what happens to some believers, uh, the Bible says that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? The renewing of your mind. And we talked about this last week. What is renewing? It is renovating, changing your thoughts for his. It's an exchanging of what is in your mind for what's in the mind of God. The Bible says that we are given the mind of Christ. So you already have access to what's on the heart of God. You already have access to what's on his mind. It becomes who you are. You can think like him. His thoughts become your thoughts. You have to make that exchange. But what happens with a lot of believers is that they get saved and then they stop there. There's no discipline of, of committing to church attendance and reading their word in prayer. There's no co committing, commitment to yielding to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And so everything that Jesus has set you free from, you still wrestle, not because the chains hold you, but because you hold the chains. Sin doesn't have control over you. You have, you've been set free. You just have to be disciplined enough to run and flee from it. The Bible says resist the devil and he will. But if, he's, if you're not resisting, he's not going to. So if he's around, what does that mean? You're not re. It's easy peasy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's a simple gospel. It is a simple gospel. Resist the devil and he will. Jesus came, he set me free. Well, pastor, if I'm set free, why do I still wrestle with this? Because you need to be transformed. How? You need to renew your mind. You need to renovate your thoughts regarding what you're facing. If you change the way that you think, which is repentance. Repentance means to change the way you think. If you change the way that you view your sin, you will get to a place of, of maturity and empowerment by the Spirit that you will be able to resist the devil and then he will flee. So if you're struggling with alcohol, if you're struggling with any addiction, if you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with pride, if you're struggling with anger, position your heart before God in a place of being poor and broken so that the good news, the joyful information can be released to you. You can receive it and you can learn and develop the strength to resist those sins that he already set you free from. People that stay in bondage, most of the time it's because they want to. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or hurt anyone's feelings, but I want to confront some things and tell you the truth. Most of the time, bondage that lingers is a bondage that you hold on to. There are certain things that we go through, and, and you look at the Old Testament, and, and I preached this a, a months ago, that sometimes the Lord leaves the enemies in the land to teach us how to war. There are some things in your life that God will allow you to go through and process through because he's going to teach you who he is and who you are. So there are some things that you have to fight through. But if you stay in this place where bondage has held on to you for years, it's not because he hasn't set you free. It's that you haven't let it go. So we have to desire holiness. 
We have to desire holiness. You know, it's, it's not, serving God and being a Christian is not, well, I go to church and then God just does everything that I want. It's not, you know what, okay, now I'm a Christian and so God's going to bless me. Now I'm a Christian so I can just go and do whatever I want. Not really. Now that we're following Jesus, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross, die daily. There's that daily cross carrying, that daily dying to self, that you say, you know what, Jesus, as I follow you, I'm going to let go of my anger. I'm going to let go of my pride. I'm going to let go of, of my lust. I'm going to let go of my drinking. I'm going to let go of, of the drugs. I'm going to let go of all this stuff. I'm going to let it go and, and carry my cross because that is the freedom you called me into. This is bondage. This is freedom. But again, we just, we just want the get-out-of-jail-free card, you know? We just want the get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, come into a church, let me tickle your ear, make you feel good about, oh, I went to church and feel encouraged because, you know, God loves me and I'm all jacked up, but it don't matter. Listen, 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 listen. God, God loves you where you're at, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. And don't ever forget that. We're all, we're all in the process of sanctification, every single one of us. God is doing a work that, that he will continue to do until we stand before him and meet with him. He's doing a work in us. He's doing a work in us, amen? We, we can't think that he's not going to confront these things that he's working on. We, we can't think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm saved now, so I'm just going to keep on. Like, listen, God, I know God is love, grace, and mercy. Trust me, I know. If there's anybody that knows, I know grace and mercy. I know grace and mercy. But it's not a cheap grace. He was broken and bled for my sin. And so if I love him, I'm not going to do the things that hurt him. I'm not going to do the things. See, me and my wife made a commitment to each other, right? To death do us part, sickness and what is sickness and health? Broken wealth. It was more broke than wealth for our marriage so far, but it's all good. Amen. We made a commitment to each other. And I know that if she committed to me and I committed to her, that would be very unfair and disrespectful to my marriage that if I said, because you've committed to me, I'm just going to treat you however I want. I'm committed to you, but I'm also committed to growing and learning. And I'm committed to doing what it is that pleases you. What makes you happy? This, this is commitment. And sometimes we think, well, we made a commitment to the Lord. I got saved, received my salvation. I'm going to heaven. And then we just live life how we want. And then we disrespect the very statement that he came, the very mission that he was on, that he came to set us free. And we walk in sin. We live in this place of bondage. And again, it's not because these things are tied to us. It's because we're tied to these things. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, right? How many of you guys want to live an abundant life, right? You youngsters, you guys want to live an abundant life? You know what abundant life means? It means overflowing, more than enough. That's what it means. It means more than enough. Overflowing is an abundance. An abundant life, right? You guys want to have an abundant life? It means the, the, the life that, that you've dreamed of, the, the greatest life that you could have. Is that what you guys want? It's found in Jesus, and Jesus will give it to you, but there's also an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy that abundant life. So how does the enemy still kill and destroy? He still kills and destroys 
when we live in sin. The wages of sin are death. That's the word. That's scripture. So when you live in sin, and when you willingly fall, when you willingly give into temptation, when you willingly walk after the things of the flesh, you are living in sin. And now you are giving yourself to this place of stealing, of being stole from. Am I even saying that right? Where's T? I need my grammar correction. <laughs> Somebody jacking you. That's what we say, right? You, you, got, you just got jacked, right? Steal, kill, and destroy is what the enemy wants to do, but he can only do that when you live in sin. He can't steal and kill or destroy your salvation that is sealed by the Spirit of God. But he can still kill and destroy the abundant life, the purpose that God has given you on this earth if you give in to him. And this is why Jesus said, I came here to proclaim liberty to the captives. I came to declare, to preach freedom for those that are prisoners. You don't need to be bound anymore. You don't need to be a prisoner anymore. I came to set you free. This is what Jesus came to do. He didn't need fireworks. He didn't need a barbecue. He didn't need a parade. He didn't, he didn't need a day out of the year. He said, hey, you keep your holiday every year. My freedom is every single day. We don't need fireworks. I'm going to give you a cross. Hamburgers and hot dogs, good 4th of July little feast, right? But nothing beats the bread of life. To preach liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. This is both literal and figurative. I'm stepping up my vocabulary game. Big words. Literal and figurative. <laughs> I have to really work on that. I had to say that like five, six, seven times. Literal and figurative. Literal and figurative. Literal and figurative. got to work on that. Yeah. And I just started taking vocal lessons. Really, I did. I started taking singing lessons. And, and it's funny because singing is the opposite of speaking in a sense to where in, when you speak, you enunciate, you know, literal, figurative. But in singing, you, you hold sounds. Hey, what can I say? I'm student of the week. Huh? What can I say? My teacher's got my picture on the board. What can I say? That's how I, you know, I did my thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the oldest student in her class, but hey, it's all right. The five-year-olds ain't got nothing on me. Yeah. Literal figurative. Jesus came to recover sight to the blind. Amen? And he did this figuratively by, is that a, right? Did I say that right? He did that for real. <laughs> That's why. He did it for real. For, no, for real, for, for real. I'm not playing, not lying. He did it for real. He healed people that were blind. But he also heals, heals the blindness of our heart, the blindness of our life. When we feel like we have no direction. When you feel like you just don't know where life is taking you, when you feel like you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do, he's your vision. 
He, he restores vision. He restores sight. When things seem to be dark, Jesus is the light of men that shines bright so that you can see where you're going. He came to, to recover sight to the blind. This is what he came to do. To recover sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. The word oppressed means bruised and hurt by harsh treatment. We could be oppressed by the enemy because even though we're free, the enemy, the enemy wants to just say these things and remind us of our past in such a way that it's hurtful, it causes us to feel like we're defeated. But Jesus came to declare our freedom over that oppression. Amen? This is what Jesus came to do. And there's two ways that we need to see this this morning and embrace this. One, this is what Jesus came to do for you, for us. Jesus came to do everything that we read right here in Luke chapter 4, verse, what were we at? 16, uh, 18, 19. Verse 18 and 19, this is the mission statement of Jesus. This is why he came to the earth, for you to do these things, amen? Say, this was for me, pastor. This was for you. This is why he came. He came, he was saying this to you. He, he was saying, you know what, Jordan, I came to give you the gospel. I came to heal your broken heart, to give you liberty, to recover, to recover your sight. This is why I'm here. Like, this is what he's telling us. This is what Jesus came to do. But there's also the other side where Jesus came also as an example. And so not only are we here to receive a message, but we're also here to be a message. That this word is not only what we want to receive for our own life, but this is the word that we need to go and preach to the world. How many people do we know that are captive, that are prisoners, that are oppressed and blind? How many friends and family need to hear this? How many? A lot, right? We all have them in our life. But here's the thing, it's not my responsibility to go preach to them, it's yours. God placed you in their life, not me. And so when Jesus started this off and said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, let me tell you that the Spirit of God is poured out on your life so that you can go and preach the gospel. There is a responsibility on us not only to receive it for ourselves, that the word is for us. Yes, Lord, I take it in. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've done. But there's also a commissioning in this that we are now to go and be light to this world. We are the ones to go out and preach this and do these things. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at evargus760.com and also redemptionhighdesert.com.